We're going to move into a time of communion, and I wanted to share some out of the, continue on out of the book of Ephesians a little bit about how the Christian finds their identity in Jesus Christ. And, and through this, Paul shows us really all throughout the New Testament, and Jesus himself too uh, shows us out throughout the New Testament how to identify, uh, but today I wanted to specifically uh, show you through Ephesians chapter 1. And, but before we move there, and, and that's okay to put that up there, but the Lord really put something on my heart. And if you got a piece of paper, uh, I want you to take it out and write your name on it. I wrote Kent Garfield on this one because that's me. And anyway, uh, write your name on it and then grab your Bible I've got a big one because I'm holier than most people. No, I'm kidding you. That was a, that was a joke. This Bible's heavy. But, but anyway, uh, take your name and, and put it in your Bible, okay? And, and you place it in there, and then I just want you to, to close it and just hold it. But, but I read this this week, and I kind of added some to it. But, but this paper represents that you are putting yourself in Christ. The Bible represents Christ. And the scripture tells us in John 1, 1, Jesus was the word and he was with God and he came to this earth and all the side. Jesus is the word. And when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, like these kids did today, we're placing ourselves in him, in the word. And we're identified with the word. We're identified with Christ. And the neat thing about that is the reason I had you use your Bible is where your Bible goes, you go with it. In other words, you're putting, you're identifying yourself with a Bible. But the flip side of that is, is where you go, the Bible goes. So when that Holy Spirit comes into you at salvation and, and Christ's Spirit resides in you, you know, the Bible's something you can see. You know, baptism was an outward sign of an inward work. But, but salvation is an outward sign of an inward work, but realizing that we are in Christ and we identify with Christ. And when we are saved, where he goes, we go. And where we go, he goes. And we're together. We're identified together. And I want us to get a hold of that today because even in the video there, I had him put it in the video today about the young man I don't know if you caught it, it happened fast, but I was up at the top of the staircase, that's an elevator shaft over here in, in the, and I was up top and they were cleaning down below. And I went in there and I couldn't help it, I'm an honor guy, and I go, this is God. And they kind of looked around, I go, this is God! And they jumped, and you heard, you saw the results. <laughs> but sometimes I think that's the way we respond when God's speaking to us. And that's why I wanted that in the video today is that, that we want God and we identify ourselves with Christ, but when he talks to us, we don't receive it or it freaks us out. And, and how do we get to know Christ a little bit better to where we can identify his voice to where we don't freak out when he speaks to us? Go to Africa, oh, that freaks me out, that can't be God. Or change jobs, oh, that freaks me out, that can't be God. Or, or God says something that's against the ordinary. And it's extraordinary, and it freaks us out. If you get to know his voice, we won't respond that way. 
Well, to say, okay, Father, and follow him. And so we need to, to work on identifying, and I'm not saying any, I'm talking to me today. Uh, we need to learn how to identify ourselves with Christ and to hear his voice and move out with it. So we see here, and just in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, Paul starts out by grace and peace. That, that we can identify with Christ and his grace and his peace. And he starts off by saying, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is love that cares and rescues us. And we need to remember that today. Grace is love that cares and rescues us. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins and our trespasses through his blood. And so that's where we get our peace in him and nothing else. We get our peace in the blood and nothing else. We get our peace in our relationship with Christ and nothing else. I was listening to, I was building some fence the other day and I was listening to Stephen Furtick. And, and he just made a comment, you know how you're working, you don't really pay attention. But he said something that caught my ear. And he was talking about peace, but he said, uh, you will never have peace if you're seeking perfection. And, and it, boy, it stuck with me all day. And I've never been able to let go of it all week because from then on I heard things like this. Oh, if I only get this job, I'll have peace. Oh, if I can get this perfect job, I'll have peace. I can remember as a kid growing up, oh, if I could just get this car, I would have peace. We can never identify with peace by things of this world. And we can say a lot of other things, like the farmers now, they could say, oh, I'll have peace if I get my crop out. Because we got more rain last night. And again, I think liberal got belted with rain. And we didn't get hardly anything here. But, but, but it's, it's hard to, to see that peace sometimes. But even when we get that peace and the, the farms open up and I see Compton's going full guns yesterday and we're cutting and we're cutting and cutting. It's in the back of our mind. I'm sure that man, I'll even have peace if there's a good price. And so we find perfection in prices and money and accomplishments and all that. And there's nothing wrong with all that. But we need to learn to have peace, whether our church is like the church in Liberia or the church in America. We need to have peace in our situations. And a lot of times, I don't think we come out of a situation because the Lord's trying to teach us peace. Only if I was healed, I could serve the Lord. I'd have peace. Let's have peace until we get there. The second thing, you are chosen. Ephesians 4.1 says you are chosen, or excuse me, 1.4, you are chosen from the beginning Destined, verse 5, and adopted, verse 5, to himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. You are chosen. Identify with that. Man, he's God my Father. That's God the Son, that's God the Holy Spirit, and me. We're together. Redemption, forgiveness, and free is the third thing. In him we have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Go home and read Isaiah 52, 3 and 9 as it talks about this. But I remind you of what Vance said earlier today or last week in our, in, our, in our class. Because when we die, he lets us live for free for all eternity. We can identify with the freedom that we have 
because we've been redeemed, we've been forgiven, and we can identify with the freedom that is in Christ Jesus. Vance has got a hold of that. Let's walk in that. For indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. When we accept Christ, greater is he that is in us, Christ, than he that is in the world. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides in you. Again, I preach there's another, another step, the indwelling of the power of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about that a little bit last week. But like we ask for salvation in our heart, and we receive that, that Holy Spirit, that portion, but there's an indwelling completeness of the Holy Spirit we can have. Five, there's a hope of the future. 118 says, having eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance of the saints? So we have a hope in the future in him. You know, there's some of the kids are running around, and one in particular is looking at colleges right now. And I believe God's got a plan for the kids. And, and, and they're choosing where they're going to go. And I say, seek God like these kids are doing and find the plan that God has for you. But there's a hope in the future in him. And he's got a plan for each and every one of us in this room. We have power and position, Ephesians 1.19 says. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead? In other words, the same power that raised Christ from the dead resides in you. You have the power and the position to do these things. You say, I, I, don't, I just can't do it, Pastor. You have the power and the position to identify yourself with Christ. Nothing keeps you from Christ but you. You can have as much as God as you want to have. If you want to have a Holy Ghost revival every day, you can. If you want to have God once a week, you can. It's what you make it. But that moves us into point seven. Is there's an authority and a responsibility that comes with all these great things. And he put all these things under his feet, Jesus' feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church. So we talked about last week how Christ was the head of the church. And the church is responsible to go out and identify and tell the world how much God loves them. And to share the gospel. And to tell others. And we are the responsible ones now. Christ has empowered us given us authority to tell others about Jesus Christ. And I've been challenging you to fill the church. And, and we're doing it, man. We're getting a full house. But, but I want it so full because of you winning people to Christ, you walking in your power and authority, that, that we've got to run three or four services. We already run another one. 8, 8.30, 9.30, and 11.30, four services. Why, can't, why not more? Because there's people that need Jesus in Barton County. Amen? Amen. So we've been entrusted with the power and the authority and the position and the responsibility. So as we take communion today, I want you to remember who you are in Jesus Christ. And I want you to identify that again. And that's what baptism is, is remembering the day you were saved. 
remembering the day you were baptized. I can remember the day I saved. My dad led me to Christ. I can remember the day I was baptized. It was in the Christian church in, in Jasper and, and, and on my birthday, actually. And Walter Garfield was responsible for that because we didn't have a preacher at the time. And so uh, I can remember those days. Remember that that's not been taken away from us. Remember and identify who you are, that you have power and authority in this world to overcome. And so when we're at the altar today, let's remember that. If you're battling sin today and need deliverance, remember that Christ not only forgive you of your past sins, but your present ones and also your future ones. And we need to give them over to him. As Pastor Samuel preached or prayed over us today, that anything that keeps us from you, Lord, let us identify it so that we can change and, be, and grow closer to you, Lord. You're not doing this for me. You're doing it for you. And it's your choice on how close you want to be with God. Amen? Amen. But the Holy Spirit is here, and he's wanting to touch your life more than ever. And so as we come to these altars today, let's remember these things and identify with him and who we are. Now, if you're here today and you haven't been saved, that's the first step. we got to be saved. And if there's anybody today that wants to be saved, and you've heard the word today, I want you just to raise your hand now. I've never been saved. And I want to accept Jesus Christ in my heart. I want you to do that now. Because that's why we're here. Amen? Amen. Anybody that's not saved today want to be saved? 